This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And back from his trip and some time away, got a little bit of time away from this Jets craziness. And when he leaves, all the coaching staff stuff happens. So go figure. They wait for him to be out of the country for these things to go on. Mr. Daryl Slater of NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. Daryl, welcome back, my friend. Thanks. Good to be back. Went to Guatemala for a few days. Had a great time. Really excellent trip. Would highly recommend going down there. So uh, it was nice weather. Uh a lot of cool stuff to do, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. It was a nice little escape, and yep, I caught up when I got back on all the interesting stuff that happened, And uh, but now it's kind of, things have kind of slowed down a little bit um, uh, in terms of the offseason. A little bit of a circus going on, especially around what's happening with the coaching staff, and that, of course, is why HBO decided they wanted the New York Jets to be part of Hard Knocks again this year. They had done it in 2010, so they had the option of saying no because they've done it within the last 10 years, and they have a new head coach. The rule is, as far as I understand it, Daryl, there are three ways you can get out of this. If you've been to the playoffs sometime in the last two years, which they obviously haven't, if you are a team that has been on within the last 10 years, which they have, they were on in 2010, or if you have a first-year head coach, which they also have. So two out of three, as Meatloaf would say, that ain't bad in the Jets situation. Let's talk about this a little bit before we dive into the mailbag. What do you think the Jets are thinking here? I assume it's just that they realize that there are some combustible parts here, and they don't even want the appearance of impropriety. I mean, I... I... I think that they're thinking what most teams are thinking, regardless of whether the, you know, the team has potentially uh, dramatic issues on their coaching staff. And that's, um, you know, that they don't want just don't want to deal with the extra distraction or what they perceive to be a distraction of having cameras around and having, uh, you know, guys having to do all those extra interviews with HBO and all that stuff. And um, Jets are certainly not the only team that has said no to hard knocks. It seems like most of these teams in recent years that have appeared on the show, um, have had to basically be forced to do it, right? I think there's a handful of teams this year um, who fall under that category where uh, there's, what, maybe four or five teams where they, they have to they have no uh, ability to say no um, for any of the qualifications that you mentioned. So I would guess the team that's going to ultimately be on the show will be one of those teams um, that basically has no choice and has to do it. And I just think it's something that teams don't want to do anymore. It's not, it's not like these teams need, there's no incentive for it. It's not like you're a college football program that's recruiting players. I guess you could make the, you know, the Rams did that show on Amazon, right? And, uh, maybe they're trying to build up a fan base in that market. I guess I kind of get that, but like, um, program visibility in terms of your team is really not that big of a thing. It's not like the Jets need to be on hard knocks to have people around here be fans of them. Either you're gonna, you're a Jet fan or you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think anyone's watching Hard Knocks and all of a sudden being like, oh, the Jets exist. I should root for them. Like, it's not, it's not like that in the NFL. I mean, these teams are known quantities. They're not really recruiting players, like I said, that college football teams are. So that the concept of program visibility or team visibility or organizational visibility really doesn't matter. So I guess I would have to go back and look. When's the last time a team actually went on Hard Knocks that wasn't quote-unquote, forced to do it. I mean, the Jets, um, the year they were on, obviously Rex Ryan liked the attention, um, but I think more and more teams have kind of just shied away from it because of the potential distraction, even if 
I honestly don't even know who was on last year. I never watched the show. Um, it was but, the Browns, uh, which is why they would want Greg Williams because they know what a combustible personality he right, is. Right, exactly. So the Browns were on last year, and there was, I guess, some funny moments. Like I said, I don't really care to watch it. it doesn't. I'm not interested. And I'm, not, I'm quite frankly happy that Jets are not on it because it's <laughs> one less one less thing to have to worry about. Um, but, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not surprised the Jets said no to that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So let's jump into the mailbag here, Daryl, and talk about some of the new players that could be on this team that will not be on Hard Knocks because the Jets said no to HBO. This first question comes from Michael Palace. He wants to know, given some of the red flags around Le'Veon Bell and the fact that he's going to cost a fortune, what do you think of the possibility of taking the same amount of money that it would take to get Le'Veon Bell and signing a Mark Ingram-Tevin Coleman combination? Yeah, I don't know if they could... Well, I mean, I don't know if they could sign both of those guys with, with the money. I, I guess it would probably, I mean, but he, the thing you got to remember is like Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, they want to be the guy, right? I mean, so why would they both be willing to come to a team, even if they're going to get big money, to, to kind of split the workload and not be the star? I think that's the issue. I, I think if they don't get Le'Veon Bell, they'll, you know, the, the fallback options are Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman. It's not likely not going to be both those guys i just don't i just think that's unlikely um that they would be able to get both of those guys now the question becomes who do you like better do you like coleman better or ingram i think coleman is a really interesting option um and he, the jets could pair him with uh, elijah mcguire if they feel good about him it sounds like they're ready to move on from isaiah Crowell, who had an underwhelming year last year but uh obviously ultimately uh the the main goal should be lady on bell i mean he is the the big fish out there in free agency and, and he would definitely fill a need for the jets. And yes, he does have, he does have some red flags. Um, but when you're talking about the red flags with Le'Veon Bell, you're talking about a guy who yes, skipped out on last season. Um, you know, basically for strictly pragmatic reasons. I mean, which you don't see players do a lot. Um, and uh, so that's, I guess maybe a concern of the fact that he hasn't played in a year for sure. Um, also, the fact that you know he's had some drug uh, suspension issues, but criminally, it's not like he's had the issues that Antonio Brown has had. And I think that those situations should be a bit flag than than the issues that that Le'Veon Bell has had. Which leads into our next question, which comes from Will, and he wants to know along the lines of Antonio Brown: Do you think the Jets could get Antonio Brown for a third round pick? If they could, would you make that move? And he also asks about the quarterbacks in the AAF, wondering if the success of guys like Gilbert and Walford in Week Number One might catch the Jets' eyes, and that they might bring in one of those guys from the AAF for a potential tryout to maybe be in contention with Davis Webb for the long-term backup spot behind Sam Darnold. So first, Antonio Brown, and then the question about the quarterbacks from the AAF. Well, I think I think a third-round pick would be a, yeah, I mean, uh, on the surface, that would be something that any team would be, would be good with, I think, right? I think the Steelers are probably going to be looking for more than that. I mean, you look at what the, the Raiders got. They got a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Um, and... So I think the Steelers would probably be looking for at least a second-round pick. And so I, I don't know if the third round would get it done, number one. Number two, Antonio Brown, I don't know if he would be the right fit for what the Jets have, which is a young quarterback. And, you know, you don't want a situation where you have a petulant receiver coming in and, and, and ruining the quarterback. You know, like I think Mark Sanchez was never going to be 
good ultimately as it turned out but the fact that the Jets, you know, brought in Santonio Holmes didn't didn't help, right? <laughs> in retrospect, that was not a, a, a productive partnership. In retrospect, um, so I think that that should raise a lot of concerns for the Jets. I don't think Antonio Brown is the right fit for them, uh, especially because I think it's unlikely that they can get him for a third round pick. I mean, so that you're looking at giving up a second rounder next year or uh, you're not giving away the number three overall pick for him. So I I just don't think it's a fit. In terms of those quarterbacks from the AAF, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no interest in watching this league. <laughs> I, I don't care. Football is over as far as I'm concerned. Look, I cover football. I, I like it I, I, well enough. It's February. I'm watching college college basketball. I mean, this is, you know, I'm watching hockey, I'm not watching football right now. <laughs> I'm just not. Maybe people I'm not. So maybe I'm not a diehard football fan. That's fine. I'll accept that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, obviously in terms of keeping up on what's going on, you know, you see, um, I'm not scouting these games or anything like that. So sorry for that. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of what, you know, I've seen that, you know, the, people you know the reports and all that 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 the league has done pretty well for itself in terms of not being a complete disaster um and also having some guys uh who have acquitted themselves pretty well so just in terms of seeing what pro football talk and other people are are writing about the about the quality of the league and other quality of performances i think uh teams would be wise and in terms of doing their due diligence to just keep an eye uh you know that's what they get paid for they're actually getting paid to watch this stuff i'm not (laughs) you and i aren't so we don't have to um they would be wise to to check out some of these guys garrett gilbert's an interesting guy six round pick in uh in 2014 has kind of bounced around the league uh and and bounced out of the league and is now you know down in orlando playing for the aaf team down there and john wolford's a guy who the jets are familiar with he was with them briefly in training camp last year smart kid uh out of wake forest who had that financial background i believe in terms of his uh in terms of his studies and so obviously a prolific college quarterback and uh you know not going to be an nfl starter but i wouldn't I think number one teams should go take a look at these players for sure. I mean, what are these, what are scouts doing right now? I mean, they're doing background on college players for sure, but I mean, your pro side guys um, who are doing free agency homework, maybe you free up a scout or two to go check out, go check out an AAF game. If there's a player or two you think could be interesting. And uh, of course the Jets already have the familiarity with Wolford, but I would guess that that's an interesting question in terms of what the Jets will do backup quarterback wise um because i would certainly they're going to bring in somebody to compete with davis webb they're going to have three quarterbacks in training camp i would think and you'll have uh somebody competing with with webb for that backup spot whether it's a wolford or garrett gilbert or one of those guys or or do the jets not like what they have in webb and they try to go for uh maybe a more experienced uh veteran backup like uh of younger version of Josh McCown. Literally every quarterback is a younger version of Josh McCown, but like, yeah. but you know, like uh, the, someone along those lines, a mid thirties guy, early thirties guy, um, who could, who could be a, a decent safety net. Like, I don't know if case Keenum would be a legitimate option just because of number one, what he'd cost and would he, would he be interested in doing it? I'm sure he'd like to, he would prefer to go get a starting job, um, somewhere. So, um, but he, you know, someone maybe b- below that tier, um, because certainly 
if something happens to Sam Darnold, um, you know, the Jets want to have somebody. I don't know how comfortable they'd be putting Davis Webb out there to start games. Um, but, you know, Davis Webb is a developmental player. You know, give him a chance to develop and see what, see what he has. He'd certainly be cheap, and that would be the advantage. Daryl, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. While I am not getting paid to watch the AAF, I am available to be paid to watch the <laughs> AAF. So if somebody wants to do that, feel free to get in touch with me as we move along to our next question. And this involves the offensive line. It comes from Ian Bartholomew. He wants to know, considering that the Jets are going to have to get at least one guard and definitely a center to upgrade from what they had last year, do you think it's preferable to get a rookie center in the draft and a free agent guard or a free agent center and a rookie guard in the draft, assuming that they're not able to fill both needs in free agency? That's a really good question. I think all, all things considered, you'd rather, have, uh, you'd rather have an experienced player at center. I think that you, you know putting a rookie center out there is a tough situation, especially with a second-year quarterback. So I think a rookie, a rookie center would be would – be, a risk, um, especially considering you know what the Jets have. So, if you're looking at free agent guards, left guards, I think an interesting guy would be Quentin Spain uh, out of uh, the uh, from the, the Titans. Um, so, I think you know he could. James Carpenter's gone, we know that, but it, that would be an interesting one. Spain, in terms of in terms of centers, Matt Paradis from Denver and Mitch Morris from Kansas City would be the two top guys that they would be or should be looking at if they're intent on going after a center and free agency, which I think would be the wiser approach. Yeah, obviously, if you're going to go into the draft scene, you're going to draft a guard uh, or a center. I mean, you have to know and, and accept the fact that your guy might not be there, especially if you're not able to recoup a second round pick by trading back. You know, if you're if you're going to go into the third round having made just that one pick and you're not taking a center or guard at number three, uh, then then you have to accept the fact that there might be a couple you want you have to come to terms with the fact that there, there are going to be a couple players that you're willing to to take there um so i think the jets will probably uh you know maybe they sign a, a higher profile center and like paradis or morse and then maybe a lower profile left guard and perhaps try to supplement that position in the draft and that gives them a little bit of a safety net maybe that would be the right approach but i think all things considered you'd rather have the more experienced player at center that was a two-for-one because that also answered Gray's question. He wanted to know what you would do as far as guards and center options and free agency. So we answered two questions in one there. As we move along to this one from Marshall Siegel, he wants to know, do you think that if the Jets are planning on trading down that they should do something similar to what the Colts did last year and auction off the pick early and see what they can get now? Or would you risk it going to draft day and see if you can drive the price up then? Um. You know, the Jets made such a good offer to the Colts that it was probably one they couldn't turn down. If the Jets are able to get, I don't know, think to, I don't know if the Jets, if they can get three second round picks out of that pick, go for it, right? Right now. You know, do it in February, do it in March. Um, if they can, if they can get three second round picks out of, out of that, that six to three move, I think you do it. If, if that offer is not there, you, you maybe play it out and wait. And then the risk you run is, uh, you know, the value of the pick either increases or decreases based on who has been, who has been picked in, in those first two picks, right? I think that that's, that's what it comes down to there. So, uh, but yeah, I think if the Jets are able to get what the Colts got last year, um, if the Jets are able to do something like that, it would, it would certainly be tempting to just do it right now. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Here's one from Paul Newbold. He wants to know what the Jets could potentially do at quarterback. We talked about the guys from AAF, but as you said, Davis Webb is a developmental prospect. Josh McCown could retire, join the staff as a coach. We don't exactly know what's happening there yet. So nothing beyond the developmental Davis Webb and Sam Darnold. Is there anybody you think they might target, a veteran or something like that? All right, so like, let's consider who... Uh, who are the available un- unrestricted free agents at the, at the quarterback position here coming up this offseason? So McCown, obviously, I think, yeah, re- retirement is a likely option for him. Um, you look at the other guys, um, and just running down these names, Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles, you know, those are guys who I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to want to come back to the Jets and, <laughs> and be the backup. Um, and Foles, obviously, has got his own unique situation. And Tyrod Taylor probably would not want to to come to the Jets and, and, and play behind Sam Darnold either. Um, but then you go down the list. I mean, you're talking about, uh, well, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's highly unlikely. <laughs> but Matt Schaub, um, you know, Matt Castle, these guys are in their late 30s, um, but they've played. You know, Schaub and Castle have played in games. They be they would be proven type backups. Um, you know, Robert Griffin, I just think it's unlike, you know, you know, Geno Smith's not happening, but, um, but, you know, Brock Osweiler could be a possibility, right. If, if as a, as a backup, um, and you're looking at many good, well, you're getting way down the list after that into, into some of the much more lower profile guys. But I think, um, the case Keenum situation is worth monitoring, but I, I just think that he'll be at the top of the market in terms of guys who, um, who are available. So, he'll be looking for a situation where he could start and he'll be looking for starter money and it wouldn't make much sense. But I think an Osweiler type job, uh, Matt Castle, guys who have been around could be, could be beneficial to the jets if they're looking for someone like that. Or I think I'd, in an ideal world, Davis Webb would play well this off season and, and give the jets enough trust that they could, that they could go into the season with him as number two. And it would, it would allow them to save a lot of money too doing that. Darrell, let's move from quarterback to running back now. This one comes in from NYJetFan7. He says, what are the chances the Jets give Elijah McGuire a full workload this season, like 18-plus touches? I'm going to personally say about 0%, but what do you think, Darrell? Zero, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, he'll be part of their plans, presuming he can stay healthy, but you talking about catches and carries per game, 18? That's on the high end, I would think. Um now, he'll be involved. I think he could be a third down asset if he can stay healthy, but he's a complimentary back. He's not a feature back. And they ideally would get a feature back like uh, like Le'Veon Bell, who, who could carry the ball a ton and who could be an asset in the passing game and would be a versatile weapon for, for the Jets. So uh, I think there's a place for Eli McGuire in this offense, but it's certainly not as the number one. Yeah, that's where I would go with this. I think if Elijah McGuire is going to make any kind of impact, it's going to be as a secondary back. And that leads to our next question from Sun Moon Rise. Wants to know, a lot of talk of Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. What would your ideal backfield look like either with or without Le'Veon Bell? So if the Jets sign Bell, which other running backs do you think should be in the backfield? And if they don't, what do you think the configuration of running backs should look like? Well, I think if they sign Bell, it'll be Bell and McGuire and Trenton Cannon. Those will be your those will be your running backs. And if they don't, you know, I think that there could be some wisdom in keeping Isaiah Crowell around. Um, but it seems like they they don't want to do that. Um, you know that that maybe they've decided they're going to move on from him. So um, I think that 
uh, Tevin Coleman or Mark Ingram would be a very good would be very good fallback options. Those would be probably the top two fallback options um, if you're not Bell and uh, and then you know they're going to keep Eli McGuire and and and, and Trent Cannon. Those guys aren't going anywhere. So I think there's a possibility that you'll see you know. McGuire and Kinnon two and three, and then whoever else at, at the number one spot. Uh, it seems like Crowell is, is the odd man out. Last question this week, Daryl, and it comes from Bubba Beck. He wants to know, what do you think of the possibility of the Jets signing Anthony Barr? Do you think it could work? Interesting outside linebacker possibility. Um, a guy who uh, played in the 4-3 in, in Minnesota. Um, but you know, you look at his numbers, and I'll look them up here as I'm as I'm going through this. But um, you know, the system fit could be there, right? Because you think like, oh, the guy played guy played in the four three, and presuming the Jets run a four three. Um, you know, former first round pick, ninth overall in 2014. Um, but sack wise, he just hasn't had a lot of production. Four, three and a half, two, one, three, thirteen and a half total sacks in his career. But a Pro Bowler in each of the last five years has been disruptive, but. Would he give the Jets enough of an edge rushing presence? You know, 30, 13 and a half career sacks and thirty one career quarterback hits. Yeah, he's been he's been a successful player for the Vikings. Um, but I think ultimately you'd want to have a, a, a an outside linebacker who could maybe give you more of an edge rushing presence from a pass rushing perspective than whereas Barr, a guy who only has thirteen and a half career sacks and thirty one career quarterback hits, might not fit that bill. Yeah, this is my theory on it. I think it entirely involves what Greg Williams thinks of Anthony Barr because, and I've repeated this several times, but Anthony Barr is 26 years old. He's a tremendous athlete. He was a track star, and he's somebody who found the outside linebacker position very late. It was his final year at UCLA that he was converted from running back. He hasn't been used primarily as a pass rusher in that Minnesota system. He's been used more as a coverage and coast-to-coast type of linebacker. So if Greg Williams sees him and says, well, I think I could take this kid, use him as an outside force and blitz him a lot, and that he could be the kind of weapon that everybody thought he would be going to Minnesota, but that he hasn't been used as, I think that could be a potential coup for them because this is what free agency is all about, is trying to find guys that other teams underutilize. Otherwise, you're basically overpaying for castoffs. So that's what my theory on it is, is it all depends on Greg Williams. I like Anthony Barr a lot. I think he's really talented, and I think that he could become a pretty good pass rusher if he's used more in that fashion, but it all depends on what Greg Williams thinks because he's the one that's going to be running this defense so it's an interesting name for sure and he would be one of the names at the top of my list personally we'll see if that's where greg williams wants to go with this but it's definitely an intriguing possibility like you said daryl four three experience pro bowler for several years in a row a guy with a obvious pedigree being the ninth overall pick in the draft tremendous upside athletically somebody who could be a late bloomer because of the fact that he only played one year at outside linebacker in college a lot of intrigue there with Anthony Barr. Yeah, I just think, like you said, you're doing a lot of projecting in terms of can he be the type of player that he wasn't utilized as in, in Minnesota? Can the Jets make him that type of guy? Because you don't necessarily have that film of him doing the role maybe you envision him in. So I think that that's where Greg Williams' expertise uh, will come into play in terms of um, determining uh, and projecting uh, what he can make out of this guy if, if indeed the Jets are interested. 
Yeah, no question, and that's all it's going to come down to is Greg Williams. That's what a lot of this is going to come down to as far as free agency and the draft, and we will see the players that they give Greg Williams to work with as free agency gets underway in a couple of weeks. going to be a lot more Le'Veon Bell talk, I'm sure. Daryl, you and Matt Stiplikowski over at NJ.com are going to have your hands full picking the brains of people from all over the place as far as statistics, film, people on the Pittsburgh beat, I'm sure. We're going to be doing that here on Play Like a Jet as well. So a lot of excitement surrounding the Jets this time of year, typically. Although last year, they didn't really come out of free agency with anything major. They got Tremaine Johnson, and that turned out to be eh. We'll see how that progresses in year number two. But that was their big free agency signing last year. Disappointing that they didn't get Kirk Cousins or some of the other guys. This year, again, tons of money to spend. Will they be able to lure big-time free agents now that they have Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams? Will they want to play for Gase? Will they want to play for Greg Williams? We are going to find out over the next couple of weeks. Daryl, thank you so much for coming on and going through this story about Harvard. Hard Knocks and of course the mailbag with me for anybody that doesn't know where to find you and the great work of your partner Mr. Matt Stipulkowski why don't you go ahead and let him know yeah nj.com slash jets as usual so be sure to check that out we got a bunch of stuff up there a little rundown here of some upcoming key dates for the Jets and some combine previews in terms of players to watch uh, combine coming up here obviously in a couple weeks so that'll all be in the free agencies starts uh, one month from uh, one month from yesterday Indeed it does, and it's one of the most exciting dates of the year on any Jets fan's calendar, so we're waiting with bated breath to see what happens. In the meantime, make sure you check out Matt and Daryl at NJ.com, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.